is made open through Christ. But my mind kept coming back to this one about our wonderful high priest. I said, well, one thing I know for sure. First of all, you can't go wrong if you've got the Bible open. You're actually preaching the Bible. Second of all, I know you can never go wrong if you're talking about Jesus. And I want to talk to you about that here a little bit this evening and see how to get in this. I know he will. Hebrews chapter 4. And let's begin, if you will, looking together at this in verse 14. It says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace and to help in the time of need. And uh, I just want to talk to you about that passage, and especially verse 15. Thank God we have a high priest. Jesus is that high priest. He is not as the high priest were in the Old Testament. He's after the order of Melchizedek, not after the order of Aaron. He, did not, he does not pass away. We don't have to get a new high priest. He ever liveth to make intercession for the saints. As long as Jesus is alive, my salvation is secure. That's what it's based on. I'm in Him. I am as secure as the life of Christ. And thank God for it. But when I look at this thing and I think about Him as my high priest, there's several things about it. First, look in the verse there. Notice what it says about it. The first thing it says, for we have not a high priest. In other words, we do have. That's a way of emphasizing by, by way of comparison of the negative there. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. In other words, our high priest feels these things. But what I notice, first of all, we have a high priest. And I put down very simple tonight, very simple message. This means a lot to me. He's high, but he's not untouchable. I like that. Um, in other words, he knows what's going on. Uh, I'm glad God didn't just wind the world up and let it go. But our God, our living God, is actively involved in His creation. Do you realize that He's not only our Creator and the Maker of all things, but it says not only all things are made by Him, but also by Him all things consist. That means He is actively involved in the sustaining of our universe and of us. He's involved in it day by day. Just as the mercies of God are new every morning, and by the way, that according to the book of Lamentations is why we are not consumed. And because of that, because of His active involvement, we have a living God. Um, I was able to say to Roman this morning as he came to the office, told us exciting news. He said, I asked Jesus to come to my heart. I asked Him to be my Savior. I said, I said well, He loves you very much. You can always talk to Him. I've met many a time. Of course, people get saved and then uh, sometimes when the young people get saved in June church, they'll come forward to make a profession of faith and I've met them down here and down here or people responding in the invitation time. People out on the street as I've been able to talk to them after they've gotten saved and I've been able to look at them and say, if, if you've accepted Christ and you and God know if you were serious about that. And by the way, a five-year-old serious with five-year-old seriousness and an eight-year-old serious with eight-year-old seriousness and by the way, people say, well, I wonder if they understand. We should be thorough. Our job is to be thorough. To be plain, distinct, and thorough. 
But I want you to understand something. According to what Jesus taught, it seems to be easier for a child to come to him than an adult. You ready for the technical reason? They don't have to unlearn a bunch of nonsense. When I look at this thing here with Christ and the fact that he, we have Him high, but He's not untouchable, I'm glad about it. Um, he's, he's somebody who's, who can be reached. I uh, had to re- admonish, then rebuke, and then take action once. A preacher never wanted to stay and talk to anybody. Come in the service, leave the service, never, never interact with anybody. That doesn't fly with me. Why? Because if our Savior is touchable, we need to be touchable. Now, I understand the constraints of things, and I've had to explain that a couple of times to folks. One of our dear members I love very much, but I, I had to tell them, I said, look, I said, you, you want to catch me 10, 15 minutes after every service? I said, spin your head around here and look in the room. That's what I told them. I said, look around. How many people are in this room? You know, I, I, I need to talk to a number of people. Now, the only people who tonight will say, oh, I've I got to be careful with people who don't, <laughs> who don't do that. But the point of that is I'm limited. You're limited. But our Savior isn't. Now we shouldn't be limited because we're snotty and think that we're something different than our fellow human beings. But He's not limited by quantity. He's not limited by, you know, you got that call you need to return, that person you need to get back to, that that person you need to answer, and you can't get to everybody. No, He's not limited by that. I don't understand that. I really don't. You know, I have no point of comparison within myself because I certainly can't do that. But, you know, it doesn't matter how many people are on this globe of ours. I'm glad that for God so loved the world, but I'm even more glad that He loved me in particular. And so He's high, but He's not untouchable. Jesus isn't just there for those good saints. Those super Christians. Some of what has happened with some an appropriate approach to teaching some things in the Scripture is it's given the idea that there's different levels of Christians and these, you know, it's kind of super Christians and these are kind of, uh, over here are kind of, uh, uh, I don't know, if you will, celebrity type Christians and these aren't well known and if somebody's involved in this ministry, that puts them up a little higher. No, it isn't. We're all saved by the common salvation. We have the faith. The faith. Singular. The faith. A singular definite article. The faith. Once delivered to the saints. You're saved by the same blood I'm saved by. And I'm saved by the same blood you're saved by. And it's the same grace that saves us all. Because of that, He is not untouchable. I'm glad about that. And then notice what it says again in the verse 15 there. It says, For we have not a high priest. A priest is an intercessor. Now, Think with me just a moment on here. The priest went to God on behalf of man. And he was instructed by God on how this was acceptable. You read about your Old Testament priest, which is what this is referencing back to. He could not just come to God in any manner, any form in which he desired. The most deadly things in philosophy going on in our world is you just approach God however you want to. No, you don't. And in the Old Testament, the priests had a certain garment they had to wear, a certain way in which they had to come to God, a certain manner in which they had to conduct themselves. What was that a sign of? What was that a picture of? What was a shadow of things to come? What was it? What it was teaching was this priest knew how to come to God in a way that was acceptable unto God. 
May I remind you that when the bush was burning in the wilderness, and the Bible says when God saw that Moses turned aside to see, God did not interact with him. He saw Moses do that. When he saw Moses turn aside to see, then God spoke to him out of that bush. What was the first thing he told Moses to do? Take off his shoes. Why? He said, come not nigh hither. Don't come any closer. But take off your shoes. Why? For this is holy ground. Do you suppose that soil was then inherently and intrinsically of itself holy? No, it wasn't. It was, it was coming into the presence of God. That made it holy. So why did God have him take his shoes off? You can speculate a lot of different things. You can get some correlations through the Scripture from But can I give you the most basic reason why? Because God said that's the way you need to come to me. Well, we've got to get down inside of us. He's God. We're not. And God's not a souped-up man with greater powers. He is different. Even His very thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. As the heaven is high above the earth. It's not that He just has more knowledge. He's different. There's an old term, God transcendent. What that term means in theological jargon is this, and it's actually a good term. What it means by this is you cannot say who God is by the summation of all His creation. God is not the sum total of all His deeds or all His creation. He is beyond that. You can see the fingerprint of God in His creation, but God is beyond His creation. And what that shows us is that the priest had a way to come to God. Now, Jesus is a high priest. He was instructed, on, or the priest rather, was instructed by God on how this was acceptable. I'm going to use a phrase here. Please catch what I mean by this. I'm going to use the term raw, and I mean by that an unvarnished, uh, unwieldy, uh, just the reality of a broken condition. And I have this statement down. The priest interacted with people in their raw form. You realize when a priest went down, and when he interacted with the congregation, whenever the group would come, he was dealing with people who were coming to deal with issues both of worship and repentance to deal with sin. So the priest went and dealt with people in their raw form, in their broken form, in their filthy form. And he was instructed of God, and of course the labor was involved, I won't go into all the intricacies of it, but he would come down and deal with the people, and then he was instructed of God how to go from people in their raw form to a holy God. There had to be somebody between the people and a holy God. More than once in the Scripture, God told Moses, don't let the people come near me lest I break forth upon them. There is something about the devouring fire of God's holiness that if the filthiness of the people got in too close, He would break out on them in judgment. And He said, don't let them do that. I need you between me and them. And this intercessor, I've given you a lot right now, by the way. You have a Bible basis and I'm giving you a lot to digest. The priests interacted with the people in the raw form. They took the offerings of the things for sacrifice from the hands of the people and brought them to God in the manner deemed acceptable by God. Then what did they do? Then the priests went to the people on behalf of God. By the way, I mentioned the labor was a thing which to wash, just very, very uh, uh, simply. And as they went back and forth between these two stations, these two things that they did, they were continually cleansing as they went. Y'all are sorting it out today. You had some good stuff happen, you ran into some filthy stuff. Right? 
mentioned that. You know, I don't go into detail, but in the, in the office, mentioned some filthy stuff just on the job ran into this week, right? Some of y'all have had that. Do you know we need a continual cleansing as we interact? You say, yeah, we've got to get the filth of the world off of us. Really? No, here's the problem. Our flesh gravitates towards it. And there are appetites within us. And we need that continual cleansing. And so the priest would come from God and would come and instruct the people. In fact, there was always a total lack of spiritual life and eventually judgment would come whenever any portion of Israel did not have the instruction of the priest. When the people of Israel were separated from the house of God and when they were separated from the teaching from the word of God, what would happen is they would go into an outright apostasy. They, they have built within them, just like we do, a desire to worship and in the absence of the true God, they'll create their own idols. Or adopt the idols of those people around them. And what would happen then, judgment would have to come on their nation. But the revivals you see in the Bible, for instance, when they found, under Josiah, they found the book of the law in the house of God. And when they opened the book of the law and read it, they said, my goodness, we, we're, 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 they trembled. They were afraid. We've been disobeying God. And they got right with God and saw revival. And Nehemiah's time, when they finished the wall, the next thing that happened, they built a pulpit of wood, stood up above the people, opened the word, and they read it distinctly and gave the, the, uh, the sense thereof and caused the people to understand the reading. And the people bowed their head and said, Amen and Amen. And they dedicated themselves to doing what the Word of God said. And when they did that, then revival came. Over and over again, prophets were sent, and sometimes the people repented, and sometimes they rebelled. Unfortunately, rebelled more than they repented. But at any time there was strength in the nation of Israel, it was because someone was teaching the Word of God, and that's what the priests did. Okay? Remember what we're dealing with tonight? We're dealing with Jesus Christ as our wonderful high priest. The priest met the people in their raw form with their offerings in hand, and went, sacrificed, went to the altar, went with it, and went to God on their behalf. The priest went from God and went to the people on God's behalf. When they went to man on behalf of God and instructed him, we find about grace teaching us. See, God does that. We find there about the spirit of truth that the Bible talks about in John 14, 15, 16 uh, uh, strongly. Uh, the spirit of truth which will guide us into all truth. But catch this. Now, you are a peculiar nation. Did you know that? <laughs> I've always thought it interesting. God calls His people peculiar. I've been preaching the gospel for 40 years. May I testify that God's people are peculiar? I are one. Spurgeon said, it's always wise for the minister to realize he's of the same species as those to whom he speaks. <laughs> I think that's, that's good advice. Um, Peculiar people. You say, does that mean weird? <laughs> Sometimes. Um, but that's not what that verse means. It means different than what the conformity of this world is. And what is amazing about that, He has made us a people, a nation of priests and kings. That's pretty amazing. The kings did not perform the priest's office. You had kings that were prophets. 
David was a prophet king. But not a priest. He was not allowed in the priest office. Do you realize we have something they didn't have? We are both priests and kings. That's why Jesus is the king of kings. And we are priests. So what ends up happening, this is pretty amazing when you think about it, because of Christ, because of Jesus, Jesus has dealt with us and received us in our raw form. I like the invitation song, Just As I Am, without one of the It's a great song. And it's a truthful song. Jesus met us in our raw form. I run into a peculiar line of reasoning sometimes as I'm dealing with people. Sometimes people doubt their salvation. Did it ever occur to you the only person who can doubt their salvation is the same person? I'll let you think about that. You can't doubt what you don't have. We've had people saved here, been members for a long while. None of them came to me and said, I don't know whether I'm saved or not. They came to me and said, I don't have a conviction. I'm not saved. I'm a faith. That's what they come by. The Holy Spirit's dropped a hammer on them. But here's, here's the... Uh, Here's the, here's the language I get from the other. Well, I don't know if I'm saved, but I don't know if I believe strongly enough. That's the kind of thing. I don't know if I said the right things. That, that's a sign of a gross misunderstanding of salvation. Not repetition of some kind of prayer. I'm afraid there's some teaching that has that is led to that type of thinking. It's way too easy to do. And that's something how much we need the Holy Spirit all the time. Because if we just take off in our flesh, we're we'll even make things way more complicated than they are. Because I think what when the flipping jammer said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He was not enrolled in the six week study course at that point. <laughs> he got saved and baptized whole family did that night. I went old Jay Bird, I was talking to him about coming to one of our missions conferences. And he uh, he said, Well, you're not one of them churches believe you can just meet someone on the street and give them the gospel and they get saved right then, are you? He goes, I I'm not around anything that I don't believe that shallow. And I said, well, brother, I said, I'm not going to worry you with coming here because we're far too shallow for you. <laughs> yep, we just hate got what you need. And send back and down the road. I'm talking about nonsense. The other thing, we got people walking down right now. This is awesome. <coughs> Thank you for bringing your daddy down there. I appreciate you. Out there. <laughs> the other end of things is. Uh, People try, we, we lose the fact that the Holy Spirit has to deal with people for our conviction. We don't save anybody. Even the term in the Bible, a soul winner is not a soul saver. It's a soul winner. You're reaching the soul. You're right. reaching that person. Bringing them to knowledge of Christ. Lifting up Christ. And Christ does the saving. Christ does the convicting. We bring them together. And so, one side, it'll get way too complicated. You got all this stuff. This is the Church of Christ territory in this area. And uh, man, we've had any number of people. I think about one young man I led to Christ myself. He was so excited about getting baptized. And his mom didn't know if he was sincere enough yet. This woman didn't even go to church. I couldn't even pin her down where she's saved or not. She's worried about her son being sincere enough to get baptized. And her reason that he wasn't sincere enough because he wasn't making his bed every morning yet. That's stupid. <laughs> Honest to goodness. That's just messed up. But that comes from a lot, a lot of this type of church has, you know, eight week course, ten week course where you get baptized. That's a bunch of hogwash. Washing something, it's not baptizing. Many is gladly received the word, they were baptized. When I first came to the church and we got our baptistry going, of course, then we were in the rental property, didn't have anywhere to baptize. We went over to Brother Maples and baptized over there. And then when we built the block baptistry back here, which used to lose its water all the time, I could only baptize skinny people, otherwise I couldn't get them down and my water kept going low. 
got the heaters plugged in. There was some concern expressed by some said, man, you have the heater on all the time. You have water in every service. We don't have people baptized every service. I said, and guess what else? As long as I'm pastor here, we're going to have water every service. We're going to have the heater on every service. Why? Because somebody walks us out. Somebody's gotten saved and comes in the house. God, I want to be able to get baptized. And so the point was taken, and everybody here now understands that, and that's just a given in our church. Say, what about that water bill? Let me say something very seriously to you. What about the heat bill? You know, 600 watt heater going back here. What about that heat bill? Let me let me say this seriously to you. If that is a concern for you, I will let you pay. <laughs> Just I'll be generous in that way. I'm very very kind about such things. And so what ends up happening is we Jesus deals with us, receives us in our raw form. We come to him. We come in a completely broken form, but then people later on say, well, I don't know if I'm still saved. I don't know how I've been. Maybe I said this or I did that. And I understand the conviction comes. I understand the teaching of 1 John. We do know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. One reason why people lose confidence in Christ is because they don't keep the commandments. We do know that we know Him. We have the assurance of knowing Him because we keep His commandments. If you transgress His commandments, one of the first things to fall is your steadfastness in Christ, which is the biblical terminology, or your confidence. But let me put something out to you. What condition did He find us in? Was it not completely lost? Say, well, I got saved when I was young. I wasn't really into that much bad. Well, I'm going to tell you something. You may not have been into that much bad, but that much bad was into you. Read in Romans what lies under our tongue by nature. What our nature is like. What we are like by nature. And you will see that we all need a complete redemption. But thank God Christ gives it. I'm glad about that. We are priests and kings. We came to Jesus. He dealt with us and received us in our raw form. And now, He said that we can come to the Father by Him. Now we are accepted in the beloved. Now we get to come boldly to the throne of grace, which we just read about. Why? Because Jesus, our wonderful high priest. Because He took us in that raw form and He brought us to God. You see, what was the correct way to get to God? You've read it. No man coming to the Father, but by what? That's Jesus Christ. Jesus said to a brokenhearted Martha, He said, your brother shall live again. He said, and she said, I know that he'll live again in the resurrection. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection. Salvation is not a plan, it's a person, it's Jesus Christ. God doesn't want you accepting a plan, he wants you trusting a person. Then let's look at the rest of it. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched. Now, this is interesting to me. Who cannot be touched. He's actually affected. Have you ever dealt with somebody or cared about somebody in a way where you physically felt for them? You hurt. You're physically hurting. The Lord's that way with us. Why should the Lord of glory be that way towards us? But He is. That's amazing. Um, I get overwhelmed thinking about it, not in the condition I was before I got saved, and that's amazing. But when I think how much Bible I've been exposed to, the giftings for study and 
to learn and to memorize is given. The preachers I've heard and the people I've been able to fellowship with over the years. I think how often during all these years I've known him, my heart's been cold. My sorry flesh has had the ascendancy. And yet he's been faithful the whole time. Um, you know, it's just amazing. He's mighty good. I know I'm not really preaching, but I'm really giving you the message. But I get down to this kind of Christianity that realizes this is mighty good that God loves us. We love Him better the more we realize His love towards us. But He's touched. He feels it. He's affected by it. My mind immediately, Brother Chris, went to this saying, Jesus is going along the road. He's being thronged. You know what that word means? That means there's so many people you can barely walk. That means he can barely get where he's going. He's just got a crowd among him and uh, uh, around him and, and pressing in on him and jostling him. And you can see the disciples, maybe they were they were trying to kind of put a ring around him, you know, to get him to the next place where he's trying to go. There was a woman there, wasn't there? Twelve long years. An illness, a physical infirmity, which incapacitated her in every aspect of her life. Which continued to weaken her, which I'm sure she looked at and realized at some point could kill her. The Bible says she had suffered many things at the hand of many physicians and was none the better, but grew worse. Some of you could say amen and amen. Huh. Sometimes it's that way, isn't it? And it's not all because of some medical people who don't care. I'm sure there probably are some. That's not generally, generally the case that I encounter, and I'm around a lot of them. But they just don't know what to do. You ever thought, thought about that, trying to diagnose people? What that be like? I don't want any part of that. This person has the same disease as that person, but doesn't show up the same in any two of them. Their body doesn't respond to the same treatment. Is that something? Huh. And so she had tried. I wonder how, home, how many home remedies she had tried. Because if you've got an ongoing illness, you know you've heard about a lot about home remedies. There is always, and I'm not saying some of them don't work because I know they do work. We go to a more natural route with the stuff we do. But there's always a sister there somewhere. It's always always a sister, not very seldom the brothers. And, and that's fine because the sisters care more about this. Actually, is why they do it and they study around on it. But there's always a sister who knows if you just do this, it takes that, right? Every now and then they work. Every now and then they make you avoid that sister. <laughs> But the thing of it is, she'd been through it all. I wonder how many disappointments she had in 12 years. I wonder how often she thought, this is the thing that'll work. Maybe it was something that had worked for somebody else, but it didn't for her. She heard about Jesus. There's something in that woman that was still trusting in God through all that. Wow. 
You got this crowd, a people crowding in, and Jesus trying to go, and she slips in and she reaches, and somehow or other, I can't imagine it probably did. You know, she's reaching in, she had to be down low to do this. She can't get through the crowd, so she goes, you know, she just touches the hem of his garment. The Bible says virtue went out of him. There's something that went out of him. And he turns around and he says, Who touched me? His disciples say, what? <laughs> but they said, Master, crowd throng you. Who touched you? <laughs> Who didn't touch you? <laughs> and he's, no. No, no, no. Somebody didn't bump into me. Somebody didn't tap my shoulder. Someone didn't just get near Jesus. He said, somebody touched me. Touched me. And he turned. She was scared. I mean, can you imagine? <laughs> Touches the car. Who was that? Oh. <laughs> he looks at her. Imagine her fear melted as she saw the look in his eyes. He said, Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. We have not a high priest which cannot be touched. He was touched. Then with what was he touched? Look at the verse. He's touched with the... What's the next thing? The feeling of our infirmities. I put this down and I won't really open it up, but I say to you tonight, the feeling of our infirmities. Infirmities carry feelings. These feelings are as real and as legitimate as the infirmity itself and they have an actual bearing on the person. Why are we emotional creatures? Every now and then you run somebody say, I'm not emotional. Yeah, they are. Got to shut down. They may not be as emotional as somebody else. I mean, it's kind of funny. You deal with people all the time. It's funny watching. You, know, you get this person, something happens. Oh, that was the greatest. Oh, that's something else. The other person says, yep. I mean, it's just... Kind of an emotional dial tone, you know? Younger people, that's a... Never mind. Um, you never heard one. Um, <laughs> but what happens is God has made us with emotion. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy what? And all thy soul, all thy mind, all thy soul, and all thy strength. He wants the whole person worshiping him. I pray therefore that your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless until the day of Christ. That soul, that thing that interacts, God's made that. That emotion, He's made it. And then I'm telling you, even a person who is not really extravagant in their emotions, they have those emotions, and they're in there, and it is part of us. And we, He was touched with the feeling of our infirmities. There's a feeling that's attached to it. We watch for the health of people in their souls. My, what my commission is from the Lord is to watch for your souls. And part of that is understanding long-term illness, multiple hurts, 
disappointments, emotional shocks, these things, what do they do? They affect you because there's a feeling of infirmity. My mom was a very active person. She required very little sleep, was very active. She had a high energy level. And I remember a great frustration to her brother Tim was the fact as the illness progressed, she could not do what she used to do because she'd just jump up and do it. There's a feeling attached to that infirmity. A feeling of worthlessness, a feeling of I have nothing to contribute, a feeling of I'm becoming a burden to others. And look, you can tell that person this is a chance for other people to bless you and you're telling them right. You can tell that person, no, your value goes more than just what you and you're telling them right, but they still have the feeling of the infirmities. Do you know that Jesus is touched with the feeling of our infirmities? Then he was in all points tempted like as we are. Interesting. In all points tempted, and that is uh, in every aspect of what being tempted is, being put to the test, but I, that word, interestingly, interestingly enough, the word I want to bring out to you is the word are. He is tempted in all points like as we are. That is present and ongoing. That is, we are tempted. And we shall be through this world. Doesn't mean every day is a horrible day. Doesn't mean that everything we do is a burden. But it does mean that that exists while we're here. The old spiritual says, As soon as we'll be done with the troubles of the world. <laughs> You ready for this? We're not yet. And so what happens is that we are tempted. There are things that come along. There's the temptation. You know, you look even when Paul taught and he said, I've learned how I've learned how to abound, I've learned how to be abased. He said, I've learned both ways. He said, there's a certain temptation that comes when success is happening. There's a certain temptation that comes when blessings happening. And I have to be careful at that point that my heart doesn't go away from God. In fact, and you made you made mention reference to it uh, in your testimony, one of the times when Israel, God had warned them when they came into the promised land that when they came to houses they hadn't built, cities they had not constructed, uh, uh, lands that they had not tilled, he said, Beware lest you are full and you forget God. He said, when you come into the, the land of Melchizedek, he said, be careful that the blessing doesn't take you to a point where you have, no longer have dependency on God. And then knowing how to be abased. What happens when the whole thing gets kicked out from under you? Knowing how to. Jesus was tempted in all points like as we are. Yet how did he come out in all that? He came out differently than we have, didn't he? And that's my last thing here. Yet without sin. He passed through every test. Sometimes you'll say, I've had folks in our church say to me on numbers of occasions, I wonder how I'm doing. They're not, they're not being self-centered. They're actually trying to, they want to be doing the right thing. wonder how I'm doing. My answer usually is, oh no, <laughs> Well, you know, like this pastor, I've said all the answers. Uh, no. I do know this. Okay, I don't know a whole bunch of things. The things I do know, I know well. I do know this. If that's a concern of your heart, then there's a lot of good still there that can be done. If it matters to you how you're doing for the Lord, 
you've got the first, second, third step of this thing down. If the first be a willing mind, it's accepted according to what a man hath and not what he hath not. Get that? That's important. Um, and so, so important, it's fuzzed out the system there. Um, but it's, when they do that, when somebody says that, they say, how am I doing? I imagine that at different times we've done different ways. Ask you an honest question as I look at you and preach to you tonight. Passed all the tests so far? Hey, you're assistant clergy. You haven't passed all the tests? What's the deal with that? You're associate clergy. You haven't passed all the tests with that? Seriously. How many more? 13. Passed all the tests so far? Or there been times and you just did the wrong thing? Answer. Yes. Go tell us about it right now. Okay. <laughs> Now, I know what you're thinking right now. Gee, I hope he doesn't come to my chair. <laughs> my point is to put you on the spot. Because I want you to, from that to realize this, that we're trusting in one, one, who never failed. You're 13, and you blow it? Yep. Wow. Your Alatrey, 29. Is that a real number? If your wife said that, it'd be doubt. Okay, 29 is kind of ladies. How old are you now, Adam? 25. 25. Quarter of a century. How old are you, brother? 42. 42. You number. <laughs> Go to the table, have mercy. You're 60. 62. Wow. So from 13 years old, clear up to. Three score and two. We're aware of the fact that we have been tested, been tempted at certain times, and did not do well. But there's one that all the way through about 33 years of living on this earth and being put under every pressure that could come, whether as 12, we know what he was doing at 12, or up through his manhood, he was at all points tempted like as we are. He was provoked. He was, he was tried. He was tired. Now, I remind you, when he sat by the well, it was because he was weary with his journey, and yet without sin. Never failed. All I'm telling you tonight. Lighthouse says you can trust Him. And it's imperative that you do trust Him. Your trust cannot be in people. Your trust cannot be in your own flesh. Your trust must be in the Lord. You need to have a right appreciation of the giftings He's given you. There's no pride in knowing what you do well if you know who gave it to you so you can do it well. But your dependency needs to stay on God. He's never failed. thought about you all a lot. So, John, I've thought about you a lot. Imagine your granddaughter going home. Is she 10 or 11? I'll just say 10. That's only been two weeks, right? Two years. 
The Lord's, uh, Lord's traveled these pathways, hasn't He? I'll tell you to the extremity He goes. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of what? I will fear no what? That's the failing interpretation. Why? For thou art... He not only went through it, but he escorts us through there. He comes alongside. Um, God's mighty good to us. I don't know any more than you know what any week, any day will bring forth. I don't know where the end of my strength is. I don't know what thing, maybe that thing that is a burden that I can't bear up under. But I do know this. He never fails. That's why sometimes you just be still and know that He is God. Be still. No, I'm God, He said. You're not. Well, I don't feel like I can, I can stand it. Right? That's true. But He's God. And we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He cares about us in a personal and a profound way. Let me pray with you this evening. Father, thank You for Your words. Thank You for these truths and how You brought the entire service together tonight. Certainly didn't know all the early part exactly what was going to be said or going on and You brought it all together. Father, I pray that You'll bless May your people seek you tonight. May they not be afraid of pouring out their heart before you and being real with you, talking to you about when they're weak and when they're hurting. And Lord, rejoicing with you about their happinesses and their strengths, being a blessing of the good things you've given them. Lord, I pray that you'll help them be real with you. Father, bless this time. May it be a sacred time when people's hearts respond to you. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Why don't you come tonight? And then wait for song invitation. Why don't you just come on ahead? Lord, want to deal with you. I want to talk with you this evening.